0: Welcome to Mox on the Mic, your exclusive look into all things Chattanooga Athletics. Here's your host, Chris Goforth. Welcome in this week to Mox on the Mic. I'm Chris Goforth. Glad to have you along with us. Of course, you can find uh, Mox on the Mic wherever you find your podcast, and please make sure that you rate, subscribe, and review. By subscribing to Mox on the Mic, you'll find it every single week. Whenever there's a new uh, episode available, it'll download straight to your device. And make sure you rate and review. We love those five-star reviews. It helps us find Mox fans, and it helps Mox fans be able to find us. We got a, uh, a really fun Uh, podcast for you today because we're going to get a chance to visit with two Chattanooga Mock football players. One is in the National Football League. The other is headed to the National Football League. We'll talk with Tay Davis coming up in a few minutes, the uh, linebacker for the Cleveland Browns. His family was hit hard by the uh, coronavirus, and we'll hear what all Tay has done talk a little bit about what he's done on the field, but we're going to talk a lot about the the off-the-field stuff with Tay Davis. It's a great story, so hang on for that. But first, I think the big news this week around uh, UTC athletics has been the fact, and we all knew it was coming, it was just a matter of when, Nick Tiano finally gets that uh, contract as an undrafted free agent. He'll head to camp hopefully in a couple of weeks or a month with the uh, Houston Texans. So we got a chance to catch up with – Former Chattanooga quarterback now, Houston Texan, Nick Diano. Well, Nick, first off, congratulations, man. It's quite a day.
1: Hey, right, thank you so much. Yeah, it's, it's exciting for sure. It's been a long, uh, long couple days, but we finally got it done.
0: You know, I remembered something today back in the fall. I rode the Finley Stadium elevator with a scout from the Houston Texans. And at the time, you know, you're always kind of like, well, I wonder who these guys here to look at. Well, you kind of put the puzzle together now. Now it makes a lot of sense. Now I know who they were in Chattanooga to look at.
1: Yeah, no doubt. No, it was, uh, you know, what? I got to know uh, some guys in that organization over the last couple weeks doing these interviews, and, uh, you know, we kind of hit it off pretty well. And, uh, you know, I'm just super excited to be a part of that organization. Now, did you have a lot of conversations with them? This doesn't sound like it was completely unexpected
0: for you, was it?
1: No, you know, going into the draft, uh, this is one of the teams that uh, I felt the strongest about, Um, you know, gotten to talk to their offensive coordinator and interview with him. And, uh, you know, we'd kind of built a built a strong connection, you know, in in a couple short conversations. So, um, you know, going in, I knew if I didn't get picked, um, if I had the opportunity to go there in free agency, uh, that would definitely be exciting for me.
0: Tell us what those conversations are like, because 99.9% of us will never get that opportunity. So, what are those conversations like when you get a chance to sit down uh, on the phone or, or through a video chat with an NFL offensive coordinator? Uh, what are those conversations like?
1: Yeah, you know, they were all different. Um, everyone that I talked to was a little bit different. Um, you know, with, uh, with the Texans offensive coordinator, I, uh, I, we talked a lot of football, a lot of scheme. And, um, you know, for me, I feel like that's one of my biggest strengths uh, is my knowledge of the game. And I really got to show him that, and uh, he kind of got to know the kind of player that I am and can be. Um, the football that I've learned, i played for a few great coaches in college and, and learned a ton and taught me a ton. Um, and I kind of got to show him all that, and he got to get to know me. He took an extended amount of time um, to do that and to learn more about me personally and as a football player. And uh, I think he just liked what he saw. You know, you were a
0: pretty, uh, pretty highly touted prep quarterback uh, coming out of high school. And I, I know you made the rounds to a lot of those camps. Did you and Deshaun Watson ever
1: cross paths back then? You know what? I don't think we did. Uh, i obviously been a big fan of his the past few years. I mean, he's an unbelievable player. And, um, you know, my agent and I, that's something we talked about. Um, you know, if I, if I didn't get picked, we knew that uh, going to a team with an elite quarterback was something that we were really excited about because, number one, I can go in and learn from a guy who's doing it at an extremely high level. And number two, ideally, um, you know, he doesn't play a lot in the preseason because they don't want to get him banged up. So then I can get a ton of extra reps and continue to develop and kind of grow.
0: Yeah, that's, that's one of the key parts, I think, for a guy like you in preseason is to get as many reps as you can, right, so that it may not be with the Texans. Your real opportunity or your next opportunity, the best opportunity, may be for a team that gets a chance to see you on film.
1: No doubt. I mean, the more tape you can put together, the more opportunities you have to go out there and play, the better. So, uh, yeah, like I said, I mean, going to a team that's paying a quarterback a ton of money, um, you know, ideally they're not going to play that guy very much in the preseason, which gives young guys like myself uh, the chance to go play and hopefully perform at a high level. There's been a lot of talk here in, in recent weeks uh,
0: about what mini camps will look like if there will be mini camps. What have the Texans told you?
1: Yeah, so, um, you know, the rookies, we're not allowed to do anything for two weeks, um, and then after these two weeks are up, we're going to start Zoom meetings, um, you know, position meetings, kind of installing the offense to us um, slowly. Um, you know, there's an hour limit per week uh, that the NFL has agreed upon with the teams, but, um, you know, as of right now, it doesn't look like uh, any teams are going to be able to bring their guys in until July, you know, looking like right before training camp, so. You know, all the teams are ready. If they get the – if they get the all clear from the NFL, they can bring their guys in, Then you know, they'll bring us in as soon as possible. But um, until then, I think the plan is late in July. B.J. Coleman had
0: kind of a similar experience to you once his playing days finished at UTC. Have you talked with B.J. Of kind of about what his experiences were like?
1: You know what, I haven't. I haven't talked to B.J., um, you know, through this process, but uh, – you know, i definitely obviously very familiar with him and his story, and, and, and I followed that. And, um, you know, I'd love to get the chance to talk to him before I head to Houston to kind of get any tips or advice, something that he wished he would have known before he stepped in for the first time. Do you get a playbook to study?
0: I mean, kind of what's the next step? You talk about can't do anything for two weeks, but, look, Nick Tiano is going to be working probably as soon as we finish with his conference call. So
1: what's next for you? Yeah, no doubt. I mean, I got to stay, stay, stay working and stay ready. Um, I'm not going to let this opportunity go to waste. Um, you know what I'm going to be as ready to go as I possibly can be. So, um, you know, I've had conversations with multiple people in that organization today and I think they're going to sh- uh, ship me a box of stuff, um, you know, as soon as possible. That's the playbook, you know, an iPad with all that kind of stuff and the film. And um, so I can get a, get a head start on that. And, you know, with no mini camps, no OTAs, all of us rookies are at a disadvantage showing up to training camp. So, um, you know, I'm going to have to do everything I can and study all summer um, and show up ready to go because there's no time to waste. So have you given it any thought yet that at some point in
0: time, probably in the next 90 days, maybe 120 days, you're going to line up behind center and, and look probably right over there and it's going to be J.J.
1: Watt lined up. Have you thought about that at all? You, you know what? I have a little bit. It still doesn't really feel real. You know, it's been a lifelong dream of mine to, to go play in the NFL. And, um, you know, I think it'd feel more real in a traditional re- year if I was getting on a plane right now to go to Houston. Obviously, with the circumstances, uh, it's a little anticlimactic. You know, signed the contract and I'm still sitting at home. But, um, no, I think as soon as I get to Houston and I see some of those guys and I'm sitting in the same locker room as – guys I've been a huge fan of for years. Um, I think that's when it'll really hit me. Celebration plans for you and the family after – now that the ink is dry? For sure. You know, obviously being careful with all the restrictions right now, but we'll find a way to get together and and celebrate this because, you know what, this wouldn't be possible without so many great uh, family, friends, support, um, coaches, teammates, you know, all through the years. It's it's equally as much about them as it is me. And uh, so, you know, I'm, I'm thankful for everybody who's been a part of this.
0: How do you feel like UTC and uh, your time there, both the previous coaching staff, the current coaching staff, how do you feel like
1: your experience there prepared you for what's to come? Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for UTC. Um, You know, I went to Mississippi State College and and didn't have an opportunity there. And, um, you know, I came back home and um, you know, thankfully that, that happened here. I got to start and play a lot of games with a lot of great people. A lot of great coaches came in and out of here during my time. A lot of great players. I mean, if you look the past, you know, six or seven years, the guys uh, from UTC that have gone on to play in the NFL, there's been numerous examples and numerous guys that have showed it's possible. And uh, I'm just so thankful for it. I mean, the support uh, from Chattanooga for their players, uh, I think across all sports, is unique. Um, I don't think you see that in many universities, and I'm so thankful for, you know, everybody in the athletic department, top to bottom. Yeah, you're the, uh, what is it, the sixth, maybe the seventh guy
0: for uh, Chattanooga on an NFL roster right now. That's, uh, that's a great feeling. That's, that's something I think we can all, not just as from the university standpoint,
1: but from a community standpoint, kind of rally around and be proud of. No doubt I mean for an FCS program I think uh, I think that's extremely impressive I think that's a testament to um, you know the recruiting that the coaches have done in, in the university and the city um, it's a great place to go I mean there's not many colleges that are in as great a city as Chattanooga um, obviously being you know born and raised here I'm biased but uh, you know it is it's a great community it's a great university um, you can come here and, and all your dreams are, are in front of you when did the call come from the Texans? So actually had a deal done with them before the draft was even over. Um, if I didn't get picked, I was, that's where I was going to go. It's, uh, it's kind of just taking a couple of days to get it done. So I uh, finally got it this morning. Um, got the call probably 11.30 or 12, uh, 12 this morning and that it was done. So, uh, you know, just, just super excited about it. How much of the draft did you, uh, did you watch over the weekend? You know, I watched a good bit. Um, you know, so I talked to six or seven teams probably before the draft started Saturday. Uh, we had a good feeling about it. And then, you know, right at the beginning of the sixth round, um, my phone started ringing, started talking to to four or five different teams, and, you know, they all had picks left. We kind of felt like I may get picked those last two rounds. Um, you know, we kind of made a plan that if I wasn't picked by – pick 240 that I would make a deal before the draft was over to sign somewhere in free agency. So kind of weighed all my options. Um, Houston seemed like the best place to go, and uh, that's what we went with. And, you know, there were some, some complications and uh, some trouble uh, that that night is why we didn't get it done, but you know, here we are today, and it's it's done and it's over and uh, ready to move forward. Interesting. That's uh, you know, I think uh, it's it's always
0: interesting to hear kind of the backstory because again, most of us don't will never get an opportunity to experience what you're getting to to experience. So when the phone started ringing Saturday,
1: were they calling you or were they calling your agent? So both. So we were both talking to a lot of the same people. Um, you know, I started, like I said, at the start of the sixth round, um, team started calling and uh, t- telling me they were thinking about using their next pick on me. So, you know, we were excited those teams were coming up. Uh, you know, heart was jumping every time one of those teams came on the screen. So, um, you know, unfortunately it didn't happen, but um, we had a few really good options after, after it was all said and done. And uh, I feel like we went with the, with the best one, the one that's the best fit for me and the best place for me to go compete and try to make the team. Nick, thanks again for the time, man. Congratulations. We'll
0: let you uh, get back to family. And I I hope maybe we can do this again, maybe after your first season in the NFL is complete. Maybe we can sit down and chat some more. Hey,
1: I'd love to. Thank you guys so much for doing it. And, uh, yeah, we'll definitely do that.
0: Glad to be joined now by uh, Cleveland Browns linebacker Tay Davis, former Chattanooga Mock, able to spend a, a few minutes with us. And, and look, Tay, there's so much that's going on in the world, and you've got a heck of a story that you've kind of had to come through over these last couple of months. Not so much you, but your family. Uh, COVID nineteen hit your family pretty hard. Can you tell us a little bit
2: about what happened? Um, yeah. Um, probably say. Uh, It feels like forever, but I guess you said two and a half, three weeks ago, um, I get a phone call, and I hear that um, back in my hometown in Lynette, Alabama, uh, Chambers County, my aunt church um, had a real bad outbreak for COVID, and the first 10 cases in the county was from the church alone, and um, my immediate reaction was, do any of you guys have it? Um, If not... I think you guys should go get tested just to be, you know, on the safe side. Um and maybe 2 days later I was getting a, I got another phone call from a a relative saying that they had to rush my papa, my great uncle to the hospital. They believe that he had covid. And uh, I just remember that just that first phone call it was almost like time stood still. I really couldn't, you know, believe like that it hit that close, you know, to home and you, all, you know, you feel for everyone that's kind of going through it and everything like that. But just knowing someone that um, actually that you know and you love and you're very close with, you know, get impacted by, you know, this this whole this deal, this virus. And, like, it was just almost – it almost felt like a dream.
0: How tough was it for you to not be able to be there? Because, I mean, everybody's first instinct is – I've got to get home. How hard
2: was it to not be able to go home? Um, I think that what was was hurting me the most. Um, not not nec- not even necessarily just kind of being back where they were at, but just kind of back home with my mom and my grandma. And, you know, those that that's my grandma's so- sisters and brother-in-law, and it was it was tough on her. And just kind of you know, I'm up in Illinois right now with my girlfriend, and just kind of like just realizing that there was nothing I could do. Um, I could drive back. And potentially put myself at harm's way of, you know, coming down with the virus or um, while traveling down, you know, come in contact with it and spread it to someone else. And I ended up just having to kind of stay put and just, you know, leave it to God and just keep praying and let him handle it. Um, But it was definitely tough for me because I just even wanted to help. I knew there was nothing I could do. So two aunts and an uncle, how are they doing now? um my aunt and my uncle um they're doing well they were um, they've been pulled off the ventilators they're actually back home now um they're still required to do a two-week quarantine my other aunt she's right now she's at uab i believe um she's asymptomatic but um she still carried the virus so they're um steady taking the precautionary measures and treating her so
0: you couldn't be there, but I think what you did was a, a fantastic thing, and that's one of the reasons why we wanted to talk to you, is you donated over 500 meals to, to the Meals on Wheels coronavirus response efforts. First off, how did that come about? How did you get involved with Meals on Wheels?
2: Um, well, just kind of growing up, I've always said that if I was ever you know in a position to give back that was you know that's the first thing i'm going to do um and once this pandemic kind of started up uh, you just kind of saw how chaotic it got um and i really didn't know what to do as of yet you know then i started seeing a lot more guys donating um making donations where it was money-wise or meal-wise and i got in touch with um a pr um Allie, and we kind of just talked over a couple of um, programs and different things and we came across mills on wheels um and once I figured out that Mills on Wheels was their main focus on the elderly, um, I instantly thought of my grandma. I'm back home. She's—I uh, don't think she's left the house in probably a month, but she's fortunate enough to still have my mom and my sister there. So they go out and kind of deal with all the madness with the grocery stores and everything to kind of give her, get her the goods that she needs, so she won't have to risk herself going out into the madness or coming in contact with the virus. Um, and I kind of just started thinking about. Other elderly people, as well, and you know, it probably is not as fortunate who have to um, risk it and kind of get out and deal with the madness to get the things that they need because they don't have anyone um, that's whether that's close or they live by themselves, so like they have to get out and do those things. So, once I figured out what Mills on Wheels, um, what their focus was on, and what you know, their core values, and more, uh, it was a no-brainer for me. Um, So, we ended up getting in touch with them, and that's when I ended up making the donation. Tay, let's talk football for a minute. How strange has this been for you
0: from a football standpoint? Uh, typically, you would be in the Browns facility. You would be, you know, around your teammates. And and with this going on, you get none of that right now.
2: Yeah, no, it's it's definitely weird um, just because around this time, you know, you, you're you building that relationship. You're building that foundation with guys. And you can't, you're basically shaping your team. Um, so that's definitely the biggest difference um, right now. I mean, we're still, still kind of, you know, going on with our offseason. Um, Coach Stefanski and um, all the other coaches, they got a great game plan together and um, a good structured-out um, structured plan as to how we can conduct this offseason um, virtually. Um, you know, we still have our iPads. We have our meetings um, via Zoom. Um, the biggest thing is now you kind of can just – you can tell that who who wants ball, who loves ball more, because um, it's it just put a lot more um, effort on the players. Like you have, you got to make sure that you do the, you know, go to your meetings, stay in your playbook, you know, get out running, and which I just got in for running actually. But um, you you got to do, you got to do everything, um, and. My main focus is and what I've been thinking is to just continue to stay ready because you just don't know how everything's gonna kind of turn out, whether we have a season or not. Just continue to stay ready, keep your body up to par. Just so whenever that time does come, you're not playing catch up. Is there more pressure now on this off season
0: maybe than in in other off seasons for you? Because you talk about getting yourself ready. It is all on you now to do the work. There's not that that motivation of, of you guys being together as a group now, it all falls back on you.
2: Um, I don't say it's extra pressure. Um, and I only say that because of accountability. Um, whether we're together or not together, you don't want to let your teammate down, and you know at some point you guys are going to get back together, and the last thing you want to do is be the guy that didn't prepare like he was supposed to. So um, you you do every any and everything you can to make sure, you know, your body is as good as, as shape as it is. Um, because you just don't want to let your brother down. You don't want to let your teammate down. And knowing that if you hound yours and they hounded theirs and when you put all that together, um, you have a pretty good group of guys that are going to be ready to go play a football game. You mentioned Kevin Stefanski taking over
0: as the, the head coach of the Browns. You got a new head coach. You've got a new defensive coordinator now in Joe Woods. How much have you been able to talk to those guys over the
2: last uh, couple of months? Uh, we've talked, you know, briefly, uh, you know, Coach Stefanski and Woods, uh no, they're unbelievable, um, unbelievable coaches and unbelievable men, you know, off the field as well. Um, I, you know, I'm the first to say that I just not even been around them that much and not been around the guys. Like, I still have that excitement and buzz and just a great feeling about this season alone. Um, you know, they're bringing in a winning attitude. And, you know, like Stefanski, Coach Stefanski said, um, the key word is work. Um, and if we handle that and just continue to work, you know, things will, you know, switch over and go our way. And I have a very good feeling about this season. New defensive scheme. How do you go about learning the playbook right now? Um, it's not really like um, anything special. Um, we, you know, we have our videos and stuff we watch during the day. Um, I watch the videos and of the coaches kind of going through the install and everything. I take my notes and kind of go back through them. Um, coach Woods, um, he's done a great you know, job with explaining things. Um, coach Carver, my linebacker coach, um, Coach Bloom, Coach Bravo, all those guys, man, they, they've they done an unbelievable job just going in and just detailing the small things and just kind of explaining things out where it could be confusing, but just the way they explain things, it, it eases it, and um, it makes it a lot easier for you to learn from home, and you just got to put the time in and just continue to look at the notes. But the scheme, um, it's – it's not complex, you know. It's it allows us to play fast, which I really like, and I feel like it fits me very well. So, um, yeah. Have they given you any idea what the plans are
0: for mini camps? Is that going to happen? Uh, what about uh, training camp? When do you when do you think you'll be back on a football field?
2: Um, as of right now, um, the last thing I've kind of heard, um, and unless anything changes up. Um, the off season will be completely virtual. So the earliest will probably come back in his training camp as of right now. We talked earlier with, uh, with Nick
0: Tiano, who just signed a, a free agent deal with the, with the Houston Texans. You've kind of been through all of this stuff before. What advice would you give uh, Nick
2: Tiano? Um, definitely don't get too high. Don't get too low. Um, you know, if you have a bad day, it's, so what now, what, um, just what are you going to do next? Um, and it's going to be a process. Um, there's, it's going to be tough. It's be You feel like you're not going to make it. Um, there's going to be the days where you feel like you will make it. Um, but all in all, always give it your best, give it your max ability, you know, be a pro, um, and represent chat well, um, because around the facility, everyone watches literally everything you do. So just be yourself. Don't try to be no one else. And um, most importantly, have fun and enjoy it, man. Because you're that one percent now. So Chattanooga has—they've uh,
0: got a lot of guys now in that one percent. <laughs> I think there's six or seven now that are expected to be
2: on NFL rosters. Are—are are you in touch with any of those guys? Oh yeah, no, I still talk to me. Of course, talk to Ke- uh, Keontae, talk to Corey. Uh, when Buster was in New York, we used to run into each other and talk, you know, back and forth, you know, amongst each other as well. Still talk to Kareem, still talk to um, Isaiah, so I still pretty much keep up with all the guys and everything. So it's it's pretty cool to um, know that you know, Chattanooga artists, you know, ETC is starting to put um, guys out of the league because um, when you're out there playing and after the games, it's nice to kind of see a familiar face and just kind of you know, laugh it up, you know, talk about memories and always get a jersey squad going. So. What
0: was the biggest surprise to you playing in the NFL? Coming from Chattanooga, what was the biggest
2: surprise? Uh, The biggest surprise, I would definitely say it wasn't so much the speed. It was just how smooth everything ran, which felt like it was a lot faster, and just the mental side of things. Um, I mean, in college – You know, all the guys, you know, we watch film and do everything like that. But once you kind of – you think you watch enough film, you think you know a lot about ball, but when you get up there and you get around different coaches or older guys, you just see how they dissect plays and just kind of recognize, and you know, their keys and just the way they go about the preparation. It lets you know that you have a whole lot more to learn, and um, that was definitely the biggest difference for me and something I'm still, you know, working on to this day is kind of working on that routine of what helped me to prepare – and what's not really helping me.
0: Tay, appreciate the time, man. Best of luck to you. Best of luck to your family. Hope, of, hope everybody is well and able to be at home and maybe be at some Browns games uh, this fall. And, and, again, man, really proud of, of what you've accomplished, not just on the field, but, but off the field as well. Thanks for hanging out with us for a little while. No, thank you for having me. All right, thanks to uh, Tay Davis. What a a good guy, man. I mean, you talk about, listen, if you're a – whether you're a a former letterman or if you're just a a graduate or if you're just a part of the sidewalk alumni, just somebody that comes to games, whether it's UTC or UC, whatever your connection with it is, how can you not be impressed with Tay Davis and just what that guy has done? I think that's uh, fantastic. Let me tell you, he's a guy you got to pull for. Uh, even whether you're a Browns fan or not, you got to be a Tay Davis fan and uh, appreciate him giving us some time. Good luck to Nick Tiano as well. Looking forward to uh, big things from him with the Houston Texans. Thanks for being with us this week. Uh, we'll be back next week with uh, talking more uh, student athletes, both current and former, here on Mox on the Mic. For our producer Tate Johnson, I'm Chris Goforth. Saying so long, everybody, and go Mox. Thanks for listening to Mox on the Mic. Please remember to rate, subscribe and review and we'll see you again soon.